and I remember um, one of the physician colleagues who I, I still am very good friends with said to me, you know, you can take people that have 20 years of experience that can't critically think. You can take people who have lots and lots of accolades, but the real test of whether or not you're good at what you're doing is, are you calm and cool under pressure? Can you connect with others? That is far more important. So I stopped comparing myself to comparing myself so to the other nurse practitioners that had so much more clinical experience before they had become an MP. I didn't. I did a program where I'd only been a nurse for about three years. Um, and so it was really interesting to me that as soon as I made that switch in my brain, I was like, I am good at this and I'm going to be an incredible NP because I have things that other people don't have. Hey mamas, welcome to the Being Mother Hustler podcast. I'm your host, Mother Hustler, Kareen Mills. I'm a mama of two boys, founder of a tribe called Mother Hustler Nation, co-founder of the Game Changers Global Network, an insurance professional turned lifestyle entrepreneur, keynote speaker, and author. Each and every week, I'm bringing you stories and thoughts from mom entrepreneurs who will inspire you to take massive, imperfect action, unapologetically chase your dreams, and eradicate your excuses so you can quit treating your business like a hobby and turn your side hustle into full-time income. I know being mother hustler is not easy. But sisters, we are making it happen, even in this beautiful mess. Thank you so much for being present with me today. Now let's go mother the world. Cynthia Thurlow is a Western medicine trained nurse practitioner. She's a two-time TEDx speaker with her latest talk, about intermittent fasting going viral. She's an entrepreneur, nutritionist, author, and co-host of Everyday Wellness Podcast. She lives in Washington, D.C. with her husband and her two boys, and of course, their two crazy doodles. She's passionate about intermittent fasting and spreading the word that food is as important if not more important than any other lifestyle choice. She empowers her clients to see the inherent power of food and nutrition as their greatest assets to their health and wellness journeys. She works one-on-one with female clients and also in a group setting through her signature program, Holistic Blueprint. Her niche is female hormonal health and healthy aging. Mother Hustlers, please help me in welcoming the Mother Hustler, mothering the world, this week, intermittent fasting expert, nurse practitioner, two-time TEDx speaker, a good friend of mine and fellow Mother Hustler, Cynthia Thurlow. Welcome back, everybody. This is Kareen Mills, your podcast host, and you are listening to the Being Mother Hustler podcast. 
We are so excited today because we have my good friend, Cynthia, who's going to be here to talk to us about intermittent fasting. Uh-oh. And one of her video, her TEDx talk, yeah. has gone viral. And I can't wait to share it with you on all over social media. Cynthia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for that nice introduction. It's a pleasure to be here. And for you, it's morning. For me, it's afternoon, but I'm glad we were able to coordinate our schedules. I know. It's been like the latest interview that I did, it took us about eight months to actually get to it. So, wow. so you're way ahead of the ball game. <laughs> <laughs> Only because, you know, we're mother hustlers and, you know, you put two mother hustlers schedule together and try to coordinate that. It's almost impossible, but we never give up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And I think that's really the name of the game that, you know, that tenacity, you know, being a mom, it's, I, I always say I'm a total badass. I can do anything. If I can be a mom, I can be anything. So absolutely. I feel like if you're already a mom, you're already a badass. Yeah. And no, I mean, badass. thinking about all the things you juggle in your day, uh, you know, I have a, a good friend who really wants to be a mom, but hasn't met the right person. And so she was saying to me, because she's in her 40s, she said, I'm not sure I can do this thing. Because she said, mm -hmm. I look at how selfless moms are. And I said, you know, what's crazy is that I'm sure before I had children, I might have had that thought fleetingly. Mm -hmm. But now that I have kids, it's like, it's this beautiful balance. Like once you get your groove on, once you kind of figure out, you know, how to do the diapering, how to do the napping, how to do the breastfeeding, or however you decide to, to feed your children when they're infants, once you get that down and then you kind of, you know, can go to the store and, and do all of those things, then you just have, you're just infinitely confident. It's like, I can do anything. If I can grow a human, feed a human, raise a human, I can do anything. So. Yes. And it definitely starts in like the birthing process because mm -hmm. that's like our scare, you know, first child. Yeah. And, and the birthing process. And even if adopt, you're adopting, mm -hmm. like it's still like giving birth, right? Yeah. It's, it may not be as painful, but the anxiety that you go through, I Absolutely. think it's going to be similar. Yeah. And because you don't know how you're going to, how am I going to go to work with an infant at home? <laughs> yeah. No. I, and I, those are the kinds of things I was saying to someone the other day. Um, you know, obviously I, I went back, I, I, I no longer worked full-time as, as a nurse practitioner, but I went back part-time and I work for a very, very demanding high acuity practice. Uh, I did cardiology for 16 years. And I, remember I went back to work and my options were to pump or to eat. Huh. And so that full first year of my son's life, because I breastfed him for a whole year, um, I walked around this and it disgusts me to even think about this, but I would pump um, like three times during the course of my, my uh, hospital time. And I would eat protein bars because that's all I had time for. I could like pump and eat a protein bar or drink water. Um, and of course, it was easy for me to lose the baby weight because I wasn't eating enough calories. And, and as you know, like breastfeeding, you could eat like a linebacker, you could eat anything. Uh, and I always explain to people, I'm like, looking back retrospectively, I would have advocated for more for myself and said to the male physicians I was working with, this is bullshit. I'm going to take time to eat a proper meal. I'm not going to have a phone, have a pager, be breastfeed, be pumping, try and eat a protein bar and think that I can take care of myself as well as patients. So. Just, it's amazing how that your life kind of comes full circle. You start to realize you're like, I would do things a little differently. But. Yeah, I was just um, thinking back about when I was transitioning into the first mother that I was, first time mom. And we, um, you know, 
circling back into the health and fitness and the um, the lifestyle change mm-hmm. and and the and healthy lifestyle change mm-hmm. and an unhealthy lifestyle change. You talked about the anxiety of how am I going to get it all done if I become a mother? Because I see a lot of mothers that is doing the things that they're doing and they're, I mean, from the outside, we look, we look like we have it all together, mm-hmm. but you know, for a fact that we don't, yeah. but um, for people that don't have kids yet, it, it's, it amazes them. Like my, my sister right now is, is pregnant and due my little oh, sister exciting. and she's due in, let's see, October. And she's, she's always said to me, like, I want to become the mom like you, like you're oh. just so amazing. And I'm like, wow, thank you. Like I don't have it all together, yeah. but yes, thank you. Because it's amazing to watch for them you know, Absolutely. that we can do all the things. But when I started to be a mom, I truly, you know how you said, like, when you get it all in the groove together and you, you figure out the diapers and the scheduling on naps and feeding. But in the beginning, when you don't figure it out, you forget about yourself. And I literally just let go of myself. Yeah. I don't know about you, if you did that for you, but mm-hmm. for me, speaking for myself, I think that's a huge um, I don't know, a huge mistake for most moms to just let go because they're so overwhelmed with the new scheduling and we just forget about ourselves. So I actually was so unhealthy. I was eating wrong. I was, I was switching and I've always been working out, but not always, I've never figured out my diet because I grew up in the Philippines and we okay. ate a ton of fried food, a ton of rice, a ton of like, I mean, we ate a ton of vegetables, but we ate a ton of non-healthy stuff. Mm -hmm. So when I became a first mom, and I think this might be a message that you and I can send to first moms, first time moms, is that I literally just let it go and gain even more weight, you know? And And then I I woke up after my second child and I'm like, I think the mindset too of like, okay, I'm having another one, so therefore I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really common. I mean, I, I, when I look at my close girlfriends, I think it runs the gamut, you know, from one extreme to the other, either people who were paranoid to gain a pound, and I had friends like that. And then I had friends who totally kind of let, let when I say the term let themselves go, they were so focused on being a mom that they weren't doing any self-care. They felt guilty, you know, taking care of themselves. And I was probably in the middle. I mean, I, I recognized that by the time... Jack was was a year old. Um, I had been breastfeeding for a solid year, almost exclusively. And I just remember feeling like my mom came to visit and I've always been someone who enjoys putting makeup on and I like getting dressed up for my husband or even for myself. I like, you know, doing fun things and I wasn't doing any of that. I felt like I was so focused on being a mom and going to work. And my husband did a lot of international travel. So I was really, really essentially a single parent. And my husband's dad five weeks after my son was born, was diagnosed with esophageal cancer. So we had this other layer of complexity and my husband was in graduate school. So it was like all these things. And I loved, you know, just Jack and I doing our thing, but my mom would come to visit and she was like, when's the last time you did anything to your hair? When's the last time you, you know, wore something that wasn't something you could just throw it? Cause I think I, it was the time those velour like jumpsuits were really in. I'm embarrassed yeah. to get that. And so I would like just, you know, change out my top or, wear yoga pants all day long. My mom was like, you need to like kind of put some, 
pride in your appearance and take care of you. And um, my mom really pushed me, and for which I am grateful, really pushed me to um, remember that I'm still an individual. Like even though I'm a mom, wow. even though I'm a wife, I'm still an individual. And so I'm grateful that she did that. But I, but I do, and I still to this day, even with having a tween and a teen, um, I still see moms who struggle with this as well. So uh, I think it's normal and I think it's highly unusual. Um, and I don't think a lot of the images that we see either on social media or in print ads or on TV or in movies are really great role models for women. You know, I'm thinking, of, you know, the, um, the social media superstars who, you know, have a baby and then like three weeks later, they're back to their normal oh size. Oh God. That's Tell such a, <laughs> yeah. So those kinds of images I think can be really detrimental, but I agree with you that, you know, uh, the seasoned veteran moms need to share these things so that other moms recognize that it's normal to kind of go through this process. Yeah. And, and, you know, coming from a nurse practitioner Mm -hmm. who is so qualified to say that is, is so like, it's so peaceful Mm -hmm. type thing. You know, it's like, ah, thank you for saying that's normal. Yeah. Well, and I think, unfortunately, I think women are also conditioned to not talk about certain things. We, whether it's pride, whether it's feeling like we're going to let people down. I, I just think we as women need to do a better job of having those open, honest discourse with one another. Um, you know, I did a, a social media post yesterday, really kind of reflexively, because someone, it was trending on Twitter, according to one of my friends. So people were asking how old I was. And I'm very transparent. I'm 47. And so um, I, I just said, I don't know why people want to make age and issue for women. It's, it's yeah. somehow women turn a certain age, whether it's 35, 40 or, or older, that all of a sudden they don't want to talk about their age. They're ashamed of their age. They don't feel comfortable um, sharing that somehow they'll be less likable. And so yeah. that was, that was the whole post was what's interesting about me are these things. And what's not interesting about me is that I'm 47. And so let's like, let's make it about substantive stuff and not things that I perceive are kind of like stupid stuff. It's like saying, it's like saying, you know, are you male or female? Well, I'm a female. So why make it an issue? It is what it is. You know, my age is what it is. Um, But I think that um, especially women that are kind of coming of age, you know, women that are at the stage of life that I'm in, we need to make other women know that it's totally cool and totally comfortable to be in your forties and still be successful and feel good in your skin. And you know, receive the love that you're looking for from your loved ones and be, you know, be successful in your business or how, whatever your occupation is. And there should be no shame. I just think there's this whole shame culture of God forbid, you know, someone tells me how old they are. Like the woman that tells me I'm 29 for the 20th time. And I'm like, really, why don't you (laughs) own your age? Like just own it. I a hundred percent agree. First of all, for 47, you look amazing. Thank you. And Again, we don't want to label those, but I just want to acknowledge that you do. And I posted something because I turned 40 this month, mm-hmm. right? And when I turned 40, like everybody was like, oh my gosh, the big four O. Oh my gosh. And my husband teased me like, ooh, coming in hot at 40. <laughs> <laughs> Say that's you right. Know? That's when it starts hurting. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's hurting for you because you don't stretch and you don't, eat, <laughs> you know, and you don't eat healthy. So, yeah. hey, I feel it. In- the day of my birthday is like, how does it feel to, to be 40? I said, feels the same as 20. Mm-hmm. It feels the same as 25. Yeah. I'm sure it'll probably feel like the only difference is I have more wisdom 
mm-hmm. and I am more in tune with who I am and I know exactly who I want to become and who I am and I'm not ashamed of it. Yeah. The only difference is that I know what matters in this mm-hmm. world and what matters in this world now that I know better is not the same as what I thought mattered when I was 20. Yeah. And I, I, I posted something about like winning and truly winning because in my early age, you know, winning was being successful with a big house, with the nice cars, with all these things. And I said something about truly winning and is when you are giving so much value in the world and you're celebrated because of it. Mm -hmm. That's what truly meaning, you know, winning really means. And if that's what it means to turn 40, I, and older, I said, I'll get older every single day and I have yeah. no problem with it. Yeah, Don't you agree? I do. And I think that's such a refreshing perspective. I, I think I just wasn't raised with the limiting beliefs that age means anything. And so, uh, you know, for me, I, I know a lot of people really struggle. And, and I suspect the people who really struggle with a chronologic age are people that maybe aren't in a happy place in their lives. And so maybe being a year older is more frightening um, you know, I, I have to giggle because my husband who does not look his age, uh, has a big birthday, uh, and it's not 40, he's uh, going to turn 50 in September. And so, you know, we've been trying to figure out a way to celebrate him. And I just said, I want to just continue being an example, not only to our children, but to other individuals that it's not like North of 35, your life just suddenly you fall off a cliff. Um, and I certainly speak to, you know, thousands of people who kind of echo those sentence, sentiments. So I think the people that fear age are the ones who are really in this discontented period in their lives. They're unhappy, they're unfulfilled. And I always say, you can always change that. You know, we have the power to make that, to change that. So I always kind of suggest that people really look inward, like, what do you really want? What do you really desire? What's really important to you? And I think it's really critical. You know, you mentioned that materialism when we're younger, we think having things are going to make us happy. And yet I live in a, I live in the Washington DC suburbs. I live in a pretty affluent area and I see people who have everything materialistically and look miserable. So I, you know, I just, like I mentioned to my children, I'm like, you know, for us experiences are what we invest money in. So taking them on vacations fun vacations, educational vacations, cultural vacations are really our priority. And yet um, I think they now are starting to appreciate that because it's a way to connect as a family and didn't mean for this to get off tangentially, but I think, um, you know, a true sense of passion and fulfillment for uh, things in your life is a far greater lesson than just having material goods because you can always get a bigger house. You can always get a more expensive car. You can always have a more expensive purse but that doesn't, that doesn't fill your cup. I mean, that has to come from other things. And, and like you mentioned, um, making an impact on the world, you know, really impacting people's lives, really having a message that resonates, providing hope when people are, are feeling you know, unhappy or uh, hesitant or um, feeling like there's not a good voice that represents who they are and where they are, that's far yeah. more impactful. Yeah, I I so resonate with you and I echo everything you're saying. You talk about you were raised, you know, to never put like a stigma on age. Now tell me, how is your... Can you hear me good? 
Oh, there was just like a, a little hesitation. Sorry. <laughs> You're saying, tell me. And that's, that's all I got. Tell me how, how was your childhood when uh, you were growing up? Was it fun, challenging? Uh, challenging. Um, so I have two very, very intelligent, successful parents who had a very unhappy marriage. Um, two individuals who um, came together with good intentions and were not good together at all. So my parents were divorced when I was seven my father, I suspect, is on the Asperger syndrome, so very intelligent, not a, not a really good communicator, not good with social cues. My father was very verbally abusive, oftentimes physically abusive growing up. So when my parents got divorced, I remembered at seven being relieved that he was leaving our house. Um, he was also an alcoholic, still is an alcoholic. And my mom um, was a single mom for many years, worked very hard. She was a nurse. And um, I know she gave up a lot so that my brother and I could have the basics. And, you know, the thing that I'm most grateful for is that my extended family, my father's family and my mom's very matriarchal families on both sides, women who stepped up, you know, my grandmothers, my aunts to kind of fill the void of things that my parents weren't able to do for us. And so my mom got remarried when I was 12, married a very nice man. Um, he had three children. My mom had two. So it was kind of like the Brady Bunch for a few years. Um, but my step siblings were very, very different than my brother and I are and were. And um, it was kind of a chaotic few years. And then I went off to college. But before I went off to college, um, you know, I, I always say that, you know, God gives you the things you need. And so not only did I have a great extended family, I also had wonderful girlfriends and have my entire life. So they filled in the gaps, but I, I wouldn't describe my childhood as, um, as easy or privileged. And I think people make the assumption that it was. And, um, you know, I'm grateful that my parents provided me with a wrong, a, a very strong sense of education, you know, being, you know, educating yourself, reading cultural things, were really a high priority of them. Um, my mom was very open-minded, and so I, I was raised to be very open-minded and non-judgmental. And then went off to college, and and I feel like that's kind of when I kind of to figure figured out where I belonged in the world. Um, so when I look back on my childhood, the joyful moments are really spent with my family. Mm. Uh, my brother and I are very close. He actually lives in Washington D.C. with his family as well. And I, I look at us as survivors. I think when you grow up with um, emotional and physical abuse, yes. that you know it's a decision. It's a decision every day to not recreate what I grew up in. It's a decision every day to be a better person than um, what I grew up with. And you know, my mom um, and I have a have a nice relationship. My dad and I have a strained relationship, and I'm very respectful of him. But I don't. Um, I someone asked me the other day, "What did my father teach me?" And I said, okay, my first, my first response would be not to marry someone like him. Oh my gosh. I was going to say, cause I'm the same way. <laughs> yeah. And I said, my second response was a strong sense of the value of, of education, a passion for reading and a desire to further myself from, from where I grew up. So I always say that, you know, we take the things we're given, you know, I, I, I whether you have a spiritual sense or, or you have a strong relationship with God, I, I just feel that the only way I'd be where I am today is because of what I went through as a child. And, and my boys who don't understand this adequately enough, and I hope that they never do, I tell them all the time, I love you. I'm your biggest cheerleader. I'm going to be there for you for 
for whatever you need me to be there for. Um, my husband and I have a very loving relationship. You know, we've been together for 17 years, married for almost 16. It's a very calm household. I mean, even though I have boys, I mean, you understand you have boys. Yes. Um, it's not, it's not a drama filled relationship. Uh-huh. Um, my, my kids create a little bit of drama cause they're at the ages where they're starting to question mm-hmm. everything and push back, but it's a very different environment than I grew up in. And, and that for me is a triumph. You know, my parents were only married for 11 years. Um, my mom's been married three times. My dad has been married twice. And so for me, it was a huge, um, and it was a, it was a kind of very unsettling milestone when we hit 11 years. And I said to, to Todd, my husband, I was like, wow, I know your parents were married for like 35 years, which I think is amazing. But for me, like being a child of divorce to have that opportunity to make it to 11 years and be in a happy marriage and, and love you and, and know that you love me. And this is a very safe place for us to be is, is a huge, huge achievement in my mind. Um, so yeah, that, that's my childhood. I would say that challenging, not privileged, definitely the antithesis. People, I think, make assumptions based on how I live my life now, um, but my life has come full circle. And so for that, I'm very, very grateful, but it's been an effort. It's you know, many years of therapy, talking about things, being very open about what needs to happen, what needs not to happen in our lives, and just being respectful of my spouse. I think... Um, you know, when you grow up with parents that are verbally abusive, not only of you, but of one another, you just learn like, I don't want that dialogue. I don't want that kind of dynamic. I don't want that kind of relationship because that will be very destructive for me. So. Yeah. Not only for you personally, but also as your kids are growing up. I mean, you mentioned, you know, the environment that you grew up in and, and you create that. I like to call a, um, incubator for your kids, mm-hmm. you know, that's essentially home is their incubator for their adult life. And if we show those things, and for me, I have a similar, you know, childhood like you, the thing that my father had taught me was the same, you know, they, they every single one of us have a purpose in this life. Yeah. And my father served his purpose. Mm-hmm. He's still around, he lives in the Philippines. And his purpose was to make sure we don't end up with a husband like him, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that was really my, my goal when it came to finding, you know, settling with a man that I wasn't going to settle with a man like my father. Yeah. And I mean, I have a lot of anger when I was a teenager because it gets escalated, like the emotional feeling. Sure. When you're a child, you have no voice, Right. Yeah. When you become you a teenager, you start finding that you do have a voice mm-hmm. and you start going against what you see that's so wrong. Yeah. And and like you, I've been healing, but in, in our culture, we don't have such a thing as um, therapy. Okay. So our therapy, and there's not even like us siblings or six of us growing up in this situation. We don't even have a therapy session with each other you know, like conversations, but now we're like starting to, we love each other because we only had each other. Yeah. And no matter how far we live from each other, my brother lives in England. My sister lives in LA. My other sister and brother lives in the Philippines. Like we are constantly communicating every single day. And one day we were communicating about like when our spouses start screaming and changing their tone of voice, we just like crawl up like little girls. Yeah, you shut down. Yeah, because you go back to that Mm -hmm. environment you were in. And I thought I was the only one that was like that until I started 
being open about it with my sisters and you know it's hard for us to be vulnerable with our family in our culture i don't know maybe that's the same way with your culture and so as we became older we started being vulnerable and with my own spiritual journey i'm like i'm okay with it and then once i i was vulnerable that i essentially gave them permission to be vulnerable yeah. and and we started talking about like wow we all have the same reaction because we all grew up the same way mm-hmm. so I want to talk about your mom and because you're very close, obviously, to your mom. Now, what kind of lessons, and you talk about the lessons from your father, and Tony Robbins says that if we are going to blame our, our parents with the bad things that they did to us, we should blame them for the good things that yeah. they also did for us. Absolutely. So, so what kind of good things did your mom teach you? Yeah, I mean, another thing about education, um, education was really important. My mother was very big on always remaining a lady that, uh, you know, I grew up in New Jersey and and let's be frank, growing up in the 80s in New Jersey, there was a lot of very unladylike behavior that I was witness <laughs> to. Uh, and yeah. so my mom used to always remind me that you always want to keep your dignity as a, as a lady. And she didn't mean to be prude. Uh, she just meant to be respectful of yourself and of others. Um, you know, she was, she's an exceedingly successful person. Um, and so, uh, you know, she taught me an appreciation for finer things. You know, she got more financially successful after I was out of the house. And I'm very, very proud of all the things that she's accomplished. But she's tenacious. She is just one of the most tenacious go, 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 go kind of people I've ever met in my entire life. So that strong work ethic has really been embedded in me that it's, it's not okay to say you can't get it done, um, you know, within, within the confines of what's realistic for you and your lifestyle. Right. But that tenacity, that grit, that, um, you know, desire for excellence, my mom really embedded in me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're very, very different people. Um, you know, I, I always say like, I look like my father, but I'm a good blend personality wise of both of them as I, my brother would probably agree with that as well. He looks more like my mom. Um, but yeah, it, I think that, you know, the Tony Robbins saying is so accurate because our parents do the best that they can, you know, the yes. more I understand about my parents upbringing, the more I understand and I can rationalize their own behaviors. They did the best they could. And I was grateful. I had food. I had food every night. I had shelter I had a home to go home. I had a place to go home to. Um, I know not so much my dad, but my mom. I knew that, you know, when I was, you know, everyone has struggles in college and, you know, after college, but, you know, I knew that my mom would always be there to talk to and and be support and to support me. And so a lot of people don't even grow up with those things. Um, And the other thing that, that I, my mother really invested in me is the value of family. And so that's why, you know, this, my, my, my grandfather was Italian. My grandmother was German and Irish. And so, um, I spent a lot of my summers with my grandparents in Colorado. And so a tremendous sense of family. So I'm very close with my cousins, very close with my aunts. Um, and you know, that's, that's a huge gift. I, you know, my, I married into a, a lovely family, but they don't, they don't, they're not as they're very, the nuclear family is their focus and not the extended family. So, um, right. I always say that for me, it, it's, it's strange to go visit a place where my husband's family is from and I don't see all of his aunts and uncles, but they're just not that way. Whereas Italians are all about connection and food yes. and, and those are the things that have really been, you know, kind of embedded in me. 
And I hope that, you know, we can kind of create those same experiences. Although my family and my brother's families are much smaller, we each only had two kids. Um, but I hope that my kids will have the same kind of, you know, connection with family, how important family is, you know, family by blood. Um, but obviously you're really lucky if you have family members you really like, and I've been really, really blessed. Like this past weekend, I was in Michigan. That's where my mom is, my stepfather and, and many of my cousins and, and one of my favorite people in the world, my aunt Carol, who's like a second mom to me. And so I got to see all these people and I, you know, I was thinking to myself on Sunday, I am so lucky. I'm just so fortunate because not everyone gets to have um, wow. yeah, these blessings. So anyway, that's, that's the, the point I wanted to make that I think it's really significant if your and parents can embed in you some of the values that you then pass along to your children. Yeah. My, um, so everybody that gets married t- to my family, cause I'm sort of right. Mm-hmm. And it's, it just makes me so happy when I watch, it's like tears of joy when I watch that movie and I recommend it to every single person that's in that pocket. Like we talked about that pocket of confusion, whether letting go or not and afraid of what's unknown and what's on the other side. And I always tell them, if you're in that pocket, watch this movie. Don't watch it when your kids are running around and you're, super like multitasking. I want you to watch it when you are, when everybody's asleep and you only have yourself mm-hmm. and when it's quiet and like literally when people do it, the way that I explained to them, they like come back to me and said, and say like, thank you for recommending that because I think that's just how humans operate, you know, like the first half of the movie, it showcases all the things that we do as humans without even noticing like the, the really things that like things that really truly matters. Yeah. And so that's what happened after my awakening is I become really aware that I was the creator of my reality, that I was responsible for my life. And and in many ways that made me extremely giddy because I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I can create anything. But then there's also like, oh, I created that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was in that though that it helped me recover and heal from my pain. So the thing is people are so afraid of getting deep. You know, I became a certified soul coach after my awakening because I wanted mm. to know me. I wanted to know me. When I meditated, I would say, I just, you know, please show the real me. I just want to know me because I lived in denial land for some time and um, I didn't want to face myself. I, I really needed that, that spiritual part of me to hold me while I saw myself with unconditional love. Yeah. You, um, so I, you really truly become an observer of your own self when you are so awakened, you can literally almost like remove your soul from your body when you're so awakened, when you're meditating and like, look at your body. I don't know how to explain it exactly, but it just gives me like chills. So my, up my spine when I talk about it, because I'm like, so aligned with you right there that I can literally keep this whole podcast going, talking about the spirituality of things. My favorite subject. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What kind of RN were you, Michelle? 
So I did, uh, I worked at uh, a big hospital here in Portland, um, intermediate care. So we, I was a full-time charge nurse for nine years and worked nights. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Um, and I loved it though. I worked with a lot of respiratory failure, heart failure. I worked with a lot of patients with cystic fibrosis and they mm. die young. Um, so I really <coughs> had a fascination with the dying actually. And even in nursing school, I knew I wanted to be a hospice nurse. So um, then the last two years of, as I was a nurse, I worked in hospice and that was really what truly shifted me to follow my dream, which is what I'm doing now. And it, because I saw that life is limited, I saw that people suffer when they shouldn't suffer mm. over and over again. And, you know, when you're faced with death on a daily basis, as I was, you don't take life for granted. Mm-mm. You don't, you know, and of course I have my pity party days, but in general, I don't sit there and go, Oh, you know, I'll never be this. I'm like, why not live full out? You know, you combined my experience in nursing with my spirituality. And to me, life is just an experience. Why not live full out? Yes. So I definitely get scared sometimes, but then I go, well, you know what? I'm going to die anyway. And I wish everybody had that experience either to work around the dying, around the sick, because, you know, we complain all the time. And again, I'm, I do it too. But at the end of the day, I can leave that hospital floor I can walk on my empty legs. I can feed myself. In fact, I tell you the happiest person I ever met. He was 45 when I met him as a patient of mine. And when he was 18, he was shot in in an accidental hunting accident, shot in the face. Mm. So he was a quadriplegic, couldn't use his arms Mm. or his legs. He'd had a voice box to speak. His family's been taking care of him all these years, turning him every two hours, feeding them, doing everything. And he was the happiest person I ever met, Kareen. And how was that possible? Mm-hmm. How is that possible? And it's possible because we all have the ability to be happy within. It has nothing to do with anything outside of us. Mm-hmm. And you and I know that when you connect spiritually, you're like, whoa, this is just an experience. How could I love more? Mm-hmm. How could I give more? That's to me the message of life. How, yeah. can we love? How can we give? How can we be of service? We get so fixated into the, ex- like the extrinsic stuff mm-hmm. when everything truly like happiness joy everything is in us everything we just have to unleash it and i know that it's easier said than that than done but i think removing the fixation of you know i mean i like to drive nice cars but i don't have to have i know for a fact that i don't have to have nice cars Mm -hmm. um You know, I don't like we get fixated with the humanistic stuff and it ruins us. Yeah. And I, you know, I teach a group called Law of Attraction for Happiness here in Portland and I, it's a meetup group and every group I start out saying what, you know, what brought you joy today? So everybody goes around the room and they say, what Mm. brought them joy? And I've been doing this for years, for seven years. And like every time, you know, what brings people joy? It's their, their puppy dog or there oh you know i just watched the rain come down it was so beautiful when the rain or or like oh you know i was out in my garden it felt so good to smell the fresh air that's what brings people joy over Mm. and over and over again and what we think what brings us joy is those materialistic possessions and the thing is i'm not saying we don't deserve them i think it's great but it's more like well that's nice but really what brings me joy is Mm -hmm. things right yeah. When did you transition out of RN to becoming who you are now? Because yeah, there's ha- there had to be a transition, right? Yep. It was last March. So it's almost a year, which is crazy. Congratulations. And, um, thank you. you know, the universe has a way of pushing out the door. 
just so you know, and all the listeners know, <laughs> it's like cosmic two by four. And, you know, I've been a nurse, you know, for 15 years, I've been coaching for uh, about eight years now. Mm-hmm. And, um, but everything's been on the side, like I wrote a book, but I couldn't get it out. I, you know, there's so many things I knew I can do, but I didn't have time because I was working full time. And what topped that off is I had a horrible boss. <laughs> she mm-hmm. was so mean. I hope she doesn't hear this. They're always a godsend. <laughs> but she was so mean. As awful as they are, they are godsend. right? And I remember the day I quit, I'm like, I'm so afraid to even tell her. Like the woman intimidated me so much. And I was so scared for me. Quitting my job was the scariest thing I've ever done because I did not quit with the safety net. I didn't quit with that, you know, nice savings account and the cushion or anything. I quit because I believed in myself. I quit. Mm. I looked at my dying patients and said, I cannot wait. Mm. So I jumped and I have no regrets at all. It's been amazing. Now, has it been easy? No, never. That's (laughs) never easy. easy. But again, me with my spiritual beliefs, my beliefs in the law of attraction, my beliefs in, in, in myself and who I am, who I've become and the people who believe in me, right? You need your tribe. I have so many people who believe me and support me. Um, but that, but I still have my RN license. I'm not going to give that up. I'm not quite mm-hmm. sure what to got, do. Got my insurance, girl. <laughs> <laughs> got it for 10, 11 years. Oh, really? So you're not doing insurance either? Are you not doing that? I still service. Yeah, I do. I, I don't like go after it as hard as I used to. Yeah. Yeah. So. But see, being a nurse to me was always that's like, that's what was my purpose. And so I ne- I didn't come into this life because I was tired of nursing. Mm-hmm. I came into this life after my spiritual awakening because it became very clear that I had a mission on this earth to do something big for people to help them live. And as a nurse, yes, I can help lots of people. And I loved my patients, but I think I'm, I know I'm being called to something bigger. So yeah. we'll see. It's kind of, you really have to live this life in faith, Karine, because I have no idea where it's going to go. <laughs> I just keep saying it's that. actually the most exciting way to live it. It's <laughs> actually, it actually allows you to actually live it. Yes. If that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Because absolutely. Yeah. well, we become robots when we have nine to fives and I'm not, I mean, I love, I loved my nine to five. Like I love the banking industry because I get to touch a lot of people's lives. I loved my insurance practice. I practiced for seven years. But what I love about it is that I made so much impact during those times of my years that I still to this day have my clients as friends. In fact, one of my clients just, well, I call him client, but he really isn't my client anymore. But one of my clients in, in the insurance went to the Facebook page of the, this is a large corporation of insurance that I worked for, one brand. And he commented on one of their posts, which is like, I loved it. But at the same time, like I felt so bad that he did <laughs> because he says in, and he's older too. So he's got a lot of years in him that the best blank agent that I've ever had to this day is still Kareen Mills. And he tagged me on it. And I'm like, Oh, like I haven't been an agent for 15 years. I mean, for, since 2015 for him, but you know, those are like the reminders. Yeah. You, you probably get a lot of those little reminders that oh, yeah. you're on the plans. freaking right track. Yeah. I have things all the time that remind me of uh, the service that I've done with other people. And, and it's just, and I don't take any of it for granted at all. Like I'm always so grateful that I've touched people's lives. That's all that matters to me. How exactly. 
really when we all go what matters is how much impact do we leave right and so we lead with impact every single day this podcast your podcast and a lot of other people's podcasts that i continuously listen to and always leaves an impact with me because literally we're all designed to be puzzle pieces of the puzzles and we're supposed to learn from each other we're not supposed to be perfect because it'd be super boring if that's right. if that's the case and nobody is no one <laughs> perfect no one like is the whites who say they're perfect are like the most imperfect <laughs> yes i know i own my imperfections it's more it's for sure so <laughs> I do have a lot of moms and I, you know, like with my group coaching business, cause I actually shied away from the one-on-one because uh-huh. it's not, it's not from a business standpoint, it's not scalable. Uh-huh. I mean, you can make a ton of money, but also pour in a lot of time in one person only. And so to multiply my impact, I really made a decision this year to do group coaching only and it's online so I can reach the world. Uh But one of the things that I, I guess you can call it a 60 second or 15 second commercial is to help other mom entrepreneurs overcome overwhelm Mm -hmm. and organize it into abundance to hopefully not treat their business like a hobby, but instead turn their side hustles into full-time income. Mm -hmm. And so that's like my clarity this year that I'm like, okay, those are the moms that I'm going to help. So with your transition from RN and you didn't have any game plan, you didn't have a lot of savings put away or whatever, because I have a lot of moms, I know this because they reach out to me in DMs and social media that listens to this podcast that are so super afraid to make that switch. And maybe like you, um, maintain a job while maintaining a side hustle? And when did you feel that it was right for you to finally leave the one behind and like go full force in the one that you have right now? Well, again, I think a lot of it was just um, faith. And what's interesting is, so my my soulmate, my sweetie, um, <clears throat> he is in a, uh, owns a business. He's beyond an entrepreneur. I see he's a business owner now. He has like, I don't know, six or seven employees right now. But his, when I met him, he was really, really struggling. And so for the first two years, two and a half years, you know, I kind of helped him, even though he doesn't, he never wanted my money. But I'm like, baby, here, we, we're, a team, we're a team. We're going to help each other. Yeah, and that's so, what it's all about. Um, so the great thing is kind of, I, now I couldn't consider myself an investor because what I did now he's doing well and he's able to support me. And so it's interesting because I used to, well, so because my dad left when I was so young, my sisters and I, there's three boys, three girls in my family, all of us sisters, the girls, we're all like, no, we're going to be independent. Nobody's going to ever take care of us. Same with us. Yeah, I will never let a man take care of me. And here mm-hmm. I'm having my sweetie support me. And yet I'm like, if it wasn't for him, I couldn't be doing what I'm doing. And yes, I girl. Really it out to me. She goes, you know, God provides in all ways, in all ways. It doesn't through people. like. Right. It's through people. Mm-hmm. And he gives me all the credit for his abundance because of my coaching, my law of attraction coaching. He says, you know, and I really did coach him a lot <laughs> and his mindset really changed. And he's now making like, he went from making 70,000 one year to a million the next year. Like amazing. About a big, so, um, so there's still a part of the struggles. Like, okay, I'm really grateful that he's here to support me, but I'm like, I got to start doing this on my own. But I think, the message, one thing I'm learning, and I'm going to be just transparent about this, 
I'm learning that it's okay to let people take care of you. Yes. And that's something I never grew up with. And I've always been independent. Always. Yep. And it's okay to let people take care of you. And as women, we have a hard time with that, don't we? Very much so, especially when you grew up in the environment like you did and my, and my environment, because I've always sworn to the universe that I will never depend on anybody. Like, I will always figure it out or I will always have a skill set. And maybe because my mother didn't have a high school education either. So with me, like having the education and the background that I have under my belt, I know that if it, if push comes to shove, I can always get a job. Right. I can always make it right. right. But, yeah, me too. but with, um, with our background, I used to say a lot of those, but it's so, your life is so super parallel to mine because you had six siblings. There's six of us, two in ours and three oh, and three, right. uh-huh. three and three. Uh-huh. And we grew up in like, you know, the, the girls were always like, we'll never depend on a man because of how we saw our mother struggle and she had no option. Right. And I think that's just it. Like we just said, we, we will never be without options. We will always have options. And so what's funny that you said now too, that as I'm growing is I'm also learning that it's okay to be taken care of. Yes. And it feels good to be taken care of because nice. because when I opened my insurance practice, my husband, that was in 08. So I'm like this crazy woman, crazy entrepreneur to open a a new business. (laughs) And like the crash, the month of the crash, October, 2008, when we got all the AIG news that they were being bailed out by our government. So my dad always says that Kareen, you're always so crazy. (laughs) Uh And then my husband prior to that month before he was laid off. So not only that I had a new business, I also had a husband that didn't have any work uh-huh. where the original plan was to depend on his income because he made pretty good money. Right. Uh-huh. And so the whole plan didn't work. And so I had to like sink or swim. So I figured it out and I took care of the family for five years. And when the fifth year hit, he got a job and was just really good job, had all the benefits and everything. He had a hard time being so overqualified for a lot of the jobs Uh that was opening. So he actually stayed home while I hustled hard. Uh And when he finally got a job and the kids were in school and everything, I became this mom that wanted to be mom, just wanted to be mom because I had never been that. Mm -hmm. And so I said to my husband, I think it's your turn. Mm -hmm. I think I think I'm so done with this business, taking too much of my energy. It's draining me. I love my customers, but what really hurts me and that just like breaks my heart when a customer has a claim that is not covered. Like I'm so passionate about my customers and I know there's rules and I know that legally the insurance company has a lot of leg to stand on when they make these decisions, but it's just not humane to me. Like these, like my clients, I sold them a promise and they're not, the promise is not being delivered. And I feel so bad, mm-hmm. you know, like those are the, the moments that always drain me in my industry. Mm-hmm. So now it's like my husband's turn and that was 2015. And like, we're so, I love the, the you said that because I've never told that story. And it allowed me permission to like really put in my story in there with yours. So thank you. (laughs) I think we 
we just should be grateful for all the help we get. And, you know, mm -hmm. when I quit my job, I had some money, but not enough to get me by for you know, a couple months. And I wasn't even sure if my sweetie was getting money in yet. Like he, he contracts were starting to happen, but there wasn't, the money still wasn't there. Mm -hmm. So it literally Kareen was on faith. And I have to preface this by saying I'm a Capricorn. And people know about Capricorns, but I'm very straight and forward by the book. You know, like, wow, I am not one to live in uncertainty. And I, because my spiritual belief was so strong, I mean, I tell people that you, there is a strength within the divine that if you just hold on to it, it will get you through. And I just kept holding on to that. I kept holding on to it. And sure enough, he started getting monies and then every, but it's just, it's just amazing and miraculous how it happens. Yes. But life is so easy when you do that. It is. And you know, all the players are coming to me. I mean, I do this video called 365 Days of Joy and I can yes. last Mar uh, May, which I'm on day 264, I think. That's a beautiful and thing. I love crazy. that. It's crazy, but yes. It's <laughs> but like, Kareen, I can't even tell you how much has shifted in my life since I've been doing those videos. And it's my mission is to show people you follow your joy, life will work out. You have to have that faith and, and just follow your joy, follow your joy. And, um, it's working out for me because things are really amazing how it's just working out. So it's Congratulations. Great. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. I so love it. I just, you know, I hope people listening, like when they're afraid to take the leap and say, well, I don't have the money. I'm like, I get it. Well, I don't have insurance. I get it. <laughs> like, I get all of that. And luckily my boys, their dad had insurance with them. So I didn't have to worry about that. Um, and you know, another thing about kids, I want to bring this up for you and I, you know, by us being, the badasses that we are we're showing mm. our kids thank you to do it themselves and you know my mom was amazing and all six of us just we loved her so much and we all turned out really really good because she loved us so much but she also showed us her strength to know we have it in us too and so you and i by showing up to the world we're doing a favor to our kids yes girl yeah i i hear you with that so what are your kids names um, Aiden and Sebastian. So I have a 14 year old and a 12 year old, almost 13. Almost oh, we have boys too. That's yeah. right. Uh -huh. <laughs> I feel like you're me and I hope you feel like you're, you're me. You know, it's so funny. My best friend's also Filipino. And so we always joke, like she's the Brown version of me. <laughs> oh my goodness. Now you have two. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So Aiden and Sebastian, which one's like oldest? Um, Aiden, Aiden's the oldest. Uh-huh. What would, what would you tell Aiden if he was listening today? I think he is listening today. <laughs> He's upstairs. Um, well, you know, one thing I love about my boys and it's just, I, I believe and love them so much. They know that I tell them all the time that I love them. I mm. think parenting has to be more about love than it is about discipline. You know, mm -hmm. I know a lot of people like you got to seriously you know, hard fist down and all that, but you know, my mom raised all six of us with love. And I feel like with my boys, they, they know they, I love them and respect them. And so they respect me and I'm just so proud of them. I'm just, I tell them all the time. In fact, it's a big joke. I'm like, have I told you lately how proud of I am of you? I know. <laughs> like mom, stop <laughs> too much already. Yeah. Well, just in case you didn't hear. <laughs> yeah. But I was a million times. Yeah. And my oldest son, especially I see him being an entrepreneur as well. He's got the entrepreneur spirit. And so. I'm just really proud that I can kind of pave the way. And, you know, he helped me set up this microphone and, you know, this is my kid. That's so cute. Supporting in this family. <laughs> if you see me on video. But um, yeah, it's just, I love my boys so much. And, you know, you probably can relate. Like my boys, 
inspire me and they keep me going and they keep me grounded as well. Like they keep me present. Um, like being with them is my happy place. I have That's them half time, so I don't take them for granted at all. <laughs> they enhance our life. Let me tell you, as hard as it is to be mothers and mother hustlers at the same time, they truly teach you a lot of lessons. And I tell my kids all the time, look, that's a lesson that I learned from you. And they look at me like, whoa, you know, like mom actually learns from us, you know, and, and that's huge for them mm -hmm. because it makes them feel like they're super important. It makes them feel like you, you literally can't live without them because they teach you lessons. So yeah. I think that's, that's cool how you raise your voice, you know, yeah, we're really, really close. And they're both redheads like me. So I love when we go out in public, we look, we look so much alike. And we all That's have like so the cool. same hair on the one side. They don't have a flip like I do, but we all have like hair on one side and they're just, they're so cute. They What's your cute. mama's name? Um, Carol. What message would you tell Carol if she was listening today? Oh, she needs to be on the show and tell you what it's like to be a mother. Oh, I'll be happy to have her on the show. So intro her to me and I'll, I'll set it up. She's actually, you know what's what I love about my mom. I want to share this with all of you because to me it's a great story. But, you know, here she raised all six of us really, you know, struggled, but always had a positive attitude, always came from a place of everything's going to be okay. She always had that attitude and she mm -hmm. made it work, right? And there were some bumps, you know, we lost our house when I was 15, you know, the, the taxes and it's, you know, long yep. story, but she was a fighter survivor. And now she's married to a man who's very well off and she's living the dream. Like they're actually on a cruise right now to Panama. Good for her. Safari in Africa in a couple months. And um, this is my cat. She's looking at you. <laughs> if you see the baby. Hey, baby. <laughs> I love those eyes. Look at those eyes. <laughs> But, um, you know, so I think my mom and all six of us would say she's the most amazing, powerful woman. And even my dad says that he constantly gets choked up about what a great job she did to raise his kids. And he gives, I and mean, we're all close to my dad too now, but he really, he gives her all the credit and, um, good. He should. <laughs> he always thought she should write a book on, on her life. And I keep telling her she should, cause she's so inspiring. And um, yeah, she's, she's my absolute best friend. I talk to her every day. So her being on this cruise wonderful. is wonderful for me because you can't talk every day. <laughs> cool. Hook her up with me and I'll, I'll, I mean, if she's open to it, I'm always down, you know? Yeah. The only thing is she's hard of hearing. So that may be a challenge. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, that's, I mean, I just commend you for the way that you show up in this world and thanks Thank for hosting a podcast that, you know, speaks my language and I'm sure is starting to speak a lot of people's language. The law of attraction is for freaking real. It is. And so thank you. And in action, like you're, you're putting motion into the law of attraction by adding the in action word in there. So thank you for doing that. And thanks for your association. Um, we were introduced by Rachel O'Rourke, who's also doing amazing, amazing things. So yeah, I commend you. Before I go to my last question, can you please tell us where to find you? Social media, website, if you are offering anything for free, this would be the moment that you can share that information. Yes, awesome. And Karina, I just have to say, I'm so grateful for what you're doing and being so vulnerable and, and authentic with this program. I love it. This was a lot of fun. And yeah, I'm excited welcome. to post your podcast. I'll be posting it this week where I am. Oh, I can't wait to hear. Law of Attraction Action. It was so fun. Um, and just to hear a bit about your vulnerability. So yay, this is awesome. 
So um, yeah, you can find me at uh, my website, michelle-joy.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-L-E-J-O-Y.com. Um, I'm also offering a free five ways to raise your vibration fast. So if you go on my website, you can link to it. I also put in a couple bonuses, including I was on um, Abraham, I, you know, Abraham Hicks. So I was on the hot seat and I posted a video nice. where I was pipped and talked and Awesome. And, and some other videos so i have some freebies on there so definitely go on my website and sign up but um yeah as far as my podcast law of attraction and action i also do uh, my 365 days of joy so that's uh I'll, you can connect with that all that my on my um, website and um i also have my book called thrive and shine how to find happiness when life falls apart and that's that's about my journey after my divorce and finding myself and wow. how you can too. So it's a self-help and I have exercises and um, I have also guided meditations on my website. So it's kind of exciting, Corrine, to actually say all this out loud because sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, I do all that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's me. You ever do that? You're like, oh, wow. Like, you know what, people, I just, I just made it happen. I didn't get any permission. Nobody says, here, Michelle, this is how you do it. Like the universe just kept give plugging ideas and I just did it and and the connections the fact that Rachel connected me with you and this this web of connections that's how life works just say yes and be open and um, yeah come from a place of love so yeah yeah, yeah. I always say I, I give I give God and the universe free downloads all the time yeah they download <laughs> it all the time I they know. got free <laughs> downloads my this podcast. is my app right here yeah. <laughs> that was love attraction, action was a divine download so was the yeah. 365 days of joy and it's so funny because i did both of them right away and then after i'm like oh i really don't know what i'm doing <laughs> when i am in the shower for some reason and dr carol parker walsh actually said that there is science to it that when the water hits your skin it induces ideas and it, it creates like that's why our creative mind like kicks in in the shower and like it's super hard for me so now i have like there's little notepads in the drawer in my dresser. So when I get out of the shower, even when I'm still like semi-wet, I still like write these ideas because I immediately lose them when I get out of the shower if I don't. So yeah. for those of you that resonates with that here listening, please do the notepad or the sticky notes or whatever it is that you do or like to write in your phone notes because those are the freaking best ideas that come to me in the shower. Yeah, yeah. So last question, last, yes, last question. When you heard the word mother hustler, what came into your mind and how would you describe that word to the listeners? Um, well, I would think my mom, <laughs> like she was a mother hustler, that is for sure. But I think it's, it's about just, you know, being a mother is such a privilege and it is like i love even like the capital m really resonates with me the mother hustler because it's like i am a mother like that in itself mm -hmm. makes you awesome in my book um and the hustler is there's we, we juggle so much yeah we are always juggling and we're just moving so it's a get out of my way i got this yep <laughs> I love awesome that. girl well thank you so much for your time today and i can't so wait fun. This is a lot of fun too for me. So thank you so much. Thank you. And I, we're going to be, hang, we're going to be talking again. This is not the end. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for having me.
All right, sisters, thank you so much for listening and always supporting the Being Mother Hustler podcast every single episode, every single week. I know most of you take screenshots of these episodes and share it all over your social media outlet. And for some of you that's left us a five-star review, from the bottom of my heart, I'm so super grateful for you. Make sure you follow us on Spotify and subscribe to the show on iTunes. And it would mean the world to the entire Mother Hustler Nation community if you wrote us a five-star review. Because I'm telling you, this is not about me. This is not about you. It's about all of us in the community inspiring each other, learning from each other, and not allowing each other to make any excuses to chase our dreams. I swear I read those reviews and it fuels me to my core, makes me cry for great reasons, so I so look forward to reading those reviews. As always, sisters, don't forget to give, serve, live, and love. Have a mother hustling day.